0: Okay, so we're going to start from the beginning of Peidale and Randal, just to review the last little bit. The Mishnah had said that if a husband tries to waive the rights of being Yerish, his wife's Nachasim. So one of the, the husband's rights is that if the wife dies, he's Yerusha. So the Mishnah said that if he says, "I'm," you know, I'm, "I want to forfeit that right," he has that, then he doesn't Yerusha. her. and disagrees. He says, "No, even if he tries to forfeit that right, he doesn't have the ability because." It's masna mashakasa Rav feels the right to the husband to be Irish, his wife is a biblical right, and you don't have the right to override a biblical, uh, biblical right. Masna mashakasa b'tayra is tanoi batal. So the last thing we said was that Rav agrees with Rav Shem Gamliel, but not for his reasoning. So he agrees with Rav Gamliel, but not for his reasoning, which seemingly means he agrees that the husband always inherits his wife, but not for the reason Rav Shem Gamliel said. And we're trying to figure out what that means. So the Gemara said, perhaps it means... Rashim Amleel, again, said that the husband is Yarish the wife because you're Masna Mashakasa Bataira, because the husband's right to be Yarish is biblical and you don't have the right to override it. So the Gemara says, perhaps Rav holds really Masna Mashakasa is to Tanaikaim. You could override the Torah. So why over here, if you stipulate to not inherit your wife, do you still inherit your wife? Because he feels that inheriting the wife is Durabonon. And while you could override the Torah, you can't override Chazal. Okay. So we're up to pay Dalam and off. Now the problem is so right now we're, again we're trying to theorize what's Rab Shita. So right we was saying Shita is that Masna meaning you could actually override the Torah when it comes to monetary law. It's so the only reason why he agrees with Shanghaliel is because he feels that this is rabbinic and it's not biblical. The problem is that's not true. The Rab, does Rab really hold Tinoikayim? Does Rab really hold that masna that if you stipulate against the Torah, it's a valid stipulation? The price that says. Let's say you want to make a business deal, and you say on condition that there is no know, on condition is no interest. Meaning, I'm going to charge you interest, and on condition that there's no problem of interest. Meaning, I'm overriding the Torah, basically. So the halach is. Rab says, well, there is interest. Meaning, the, 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 you don't have the right to override the Torah. Shmuel says, no, you do, because it's monetary, you could override the Torah, meaning you'll be punished, but if you do it, it's a it's a valid transaction, so you the, the guy would have to pay interest, so you see that Rav does not believe you could override the Torah, because over here, the guy's trying to override the Torah, and it doesn't work, so what's Rav Shita? How could you say that Rav holds, not true, so the Gemara says, again, so now we're back to the original promise, but what does the Rav mean, that he passes like Rosh but not for his reasoning. Again, Rashim Malia's reasoning is because Masa, Ashikazabter is tonight um, is is is, uh, is tonight bottle. So if he disagrees with that reasoning, that means it's so it's tonight kaim. If it's tonight kaim, then why do you still inherit your wife if you made a stipulation not to? So the answer is because it's Bona. The problem is Rav, Rav. Takahol's Masam HaKasheh HaZabitaira is Tanay uh, is So he does agree with Roshim reasoning. So wh- where is the difference coming in? So the Gemara says, um, What Rav means is like this. The Halacha follows Roshim That again, if a husband stipulates not to inherit his wife, it's a valid stipulation. I'm sorry, it's not a valid stipulation. He still inherits the wife. Tamar Masam Tanay Rav agrees with Roshim but not for his reasoning why dealer rishon gamleil savar misa yishan rav a strange maybe what rav meant when he said the halakha was rishon gamleil but not for his reasoning is that he disagrees with rishon I mean, when he says i agree with rishon gamleil but not for his reasoning it means i disagree with him rishon says that you're that you're able to inherit the wife he disagrees so the obvious problem is that's not when you say the halacha is like someone but not for his reasoning, that means that you agree with his conclusion. So now you're saying maybe Rob disagrees with his conclusion, and that's not halacha kirishim gomlil, right? But the Gemara is saying that maybe Rav really agrees with the Rishim that masa masha is to my batal, that if you go against the tari'ah, it's the stipulation is batal. But he paskin's not like Rishim so then he's not agreeing with Rishim gomlil. It, it doesn't work. So the Gemara says, um, that's and that would say, I disagree with him. He's saying, I agree with Roshim just not for his reasoning. Then That's disagreeing with Roshim So w- what does Rob actually hold? Again, Roshim holds that if you stipulate not to inherit your wife, it doesn't work. You still inherit the wife. Rob says, I agree with him, but not for his reasoning. So what does Rob hold? So the Gemara says, okay, um, he follows Rashim Gamliel's conclusion, the Umar, in that even if the wife dies, he still inherits the wife, even though he stipulated not to. But Lab but not for Rashimil's reasoning. Why? Dealer of Shim holds that if you go against the Torah, it's bottle, but if you go against Chazal, it works. You could override Chazal. tonight bottle, and Rav disagrees. He says, "I agree with you that if you go against the Torah, it doesn't work. But I hold that if you go against Chazal, it also doesn't work. So then maybe that's what Rav meant. Meaning, Rav and Rishonim will both agree that if you go against the Torah, it doesn't work. This is a case of going against the Torah because their husband's right to be Yerusha is biblical. So what is what does Rob mean when he says I disagree with Shangh Maliel? He says, holds that you can go you could stipulate against Hazal and he disagrees. The problem is that that's not disagreeing with Rashim That's just adding to Rashim Gamil Shita. Meaning Rashim lays the foundation that if you stipulate against the Torah, it doesn't work. Now there is a secondary machalegis. If you stipulate against Hazal, does it work or not? That's not it, it, When Rob says I agree with Shimil, but I disagree with his reasoning. That implies that there's an outright machleikas. Over here, it's not an outright machleikas. They both agree that if you stipulate against the Torah, it works. There is a tertiary machleikas of if you go against Chazal, does that work also. Roshim Malil holds one thing Rab is adding to his shita, but it's not a straight up machleikas. Meaning in this case, what's this case? This is a biblical right of the husband to be Yerisher. He is stipulating against the Torah. Roshim Malil says it doesn't work. Rob says, I agree it doesn't work because I agree with your reasoning. I agree that we both say that you can't go against Hazal. What's our machlaikas? Well, you can't go against the Torah. Our is if you were to stipulate against Hazal, would it work conceptually? And that's not what he said over here. He said, I agree with the shingle, but not for his reasoning. Over here, he's agreeing with him and he's agreeing with his reasoning. It's biblical. He agrees that you can't stipulate against the Torah. He's just adding, you also can't stipulate a Chazal, which is not even relevant to our discussion. That, doesn't, that can't be what he meant. Again, our discussion is: if you stipulate against being Yerush the wife, does it work? Roshim says no. Rob's like, I agree with him, but not for his reasoning. What does that mean? Well, he agrees that if you stipulate against the tar, it doesn't work, and this is the case stipulating against the Torah. So he agrees. So where does what does it mean? He doesn't agree with his reasoning. Agav, Roshim and Rav argue about whether you could stipulate against Chazal, and not related to our discussion at all. And that's not what that's not what the Loshon sounds like. The Gemara says. Um, that's agreeing with him because in our discussion he agrees with him. He just has a tertiary about whether you could stipulate against Hazal. So that, that's not the lashon. So Gemara says, okay, back to the original understanding. What Rav meant is like this: I pass that if you stipulate against being gerish the wife, you still are. Why? Because you're But but not for his reasoning. Why? The answer is very simple. They both agree to the same conclusion, that is, that if a husband stipulates not to be Yerush's wife, he's still Yerush's wife. They're arguing about why. Rav holds, Rav Shem Gamliel holds, because the husband's right to be Yerush is biblical, and you can't override the tyra. Rav says no, it's rabbinic and you can't override Chazal, so it's the same conclusion, just different um, paths to get to that conclusion. They both agree that you cannot stipulate against you can you cannot stipulate not to be Arishua. If You're automatically going to be Yerushalayim. I don't care what you stipulate. Why? Or well, Shemueli holds because it's biblical and you can't go against the Torah. Rav holds it's rabbinic. You can't go against Chazal. Okay. Now. The Gemara is saying that according to Rav, the husband's right to be Yorush, his wife, is rabbinic in nature, not biblical. That's how he disagrees with Roshim Wanliel. He agrees with his conclusion, but he disagrees with the process to get to that conclusion. Roshim Wanliel feels that the husband's white right to be Yerish's his wife, is biblical. Rav holds that the husband's right to be Yorush is rabbinic. Here's the problem Is it true that? Um, hold on one second. I'm sorry. Just someone sent a Shiloh and I might have to pause the show for a second. If not, um, okay. Sorry. Um, so the Gemara is saying right now that according to Rav, the husband's right to be Yorish. Is only derabonon. Here's the problem. There's a following braisa where Rav says that it's deraisa. It's just a side shiloh. Rav saying that the husband's right to be Irish's wife is rabbinic. The problem is the following braisa, he says it's deraisa. So that's a, a contradiction to Rav. But now the Mishnah says, Rav Yechim and Oymer. Rav Yechim and Broika says, <inaudible> If someone inherits his wife, so it means the wife died and he got something from her. He has to return it to the in-law family by yovel. Okay, now yovel is when all sales and gifts revert back to the original owner. So he has to give back the inheritance to the other family by adamim, They pay him, but he gives them a discount. Whoa, a couple things here. So he's returning the land. They're paying him at a discounted price. So it's a couple of things. First of all, if it's an inheritance, why are you returning it? You don't return inheritance at Yovel. You only return sales and gifts. If it's not an inheritance, I mean, if, if he got it rightfully as an inheritance, he shouldn't have to return it. If he has to return it, then why is he giving a discount? And why is he charging? <laughs> like, if you have to return, you have to return it. You don't get, like, it's like they're forcing him to sell it back to the, his, his, his in-law's family by Yovo. Well, what's going on over here? At a mm-hmm. discounted price. So the Gemara says, but we ask, what's the explanation? If you hold that the husband has the right to inherit his wife on a biblical level, that means that biblically this land is his. You don't have to return it by amayasa And And if he only a husband only is his wife rabbinically, which by the way, that's a huge napkin. I mean, whether the husband is his wife rabbinic or biblical, do so you have to return it by Yoyevil? If it's only rabbinic, you'll have to return it by Yoyevil because it's not really yours on a biblical level. If it's biblical, then you don't have to return it. So over here, he has to return it, but he's getting paid to return it. So the Gemara says, if you hold that the husband only inherits his wife rabbinically and he has to return it, then why are you charging? you don't charge; you just return it. The Then why are you why are you why are you pay? Why are you getting paid? You understand the case? The husband is returning the land to his in-law in- 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 family, but he's getting paid to do so. So the question is like, well, what's going on? So the Gemara says, Again, this was a statement from our Yoham ben Breka. Rav explains it, that what, Really? The husband has the right to inherit his wife on a Biblical level, which means he does not have to return it by Yoham. So why is he returning it? The case is where what he inherited was not like a kitchen, it wasn't a house, it was a cemetery. They used to have family plots. The problem is, Technically, the, the, the in-law family cemetery is now his. Now, and he doesn't have to return it because he's Yarisha derai. So the problem is that means that their family is now going to have they can't bury in their own family plot anymore, and now the only people that can be buried in the family plot are not related to them anymore. So that's that's messed up. Yes, yeah, so that's messed up. So Chazal force him to return it to them for money. Okay. By the way, the main point of this is that Rav holds that their husband's right to inherit is biblical. That's the only thing that really matters. But now that we mentioned it, we'll just explain it. He says, really, it's biblical. He doesn't have to return it at all. But it's a case where it's a Beis HaKvaris, so he has to return it rabbinically. Chazal made him return it. Why at a discount? What it means a discount is he can't charge them for his wife's burial plot. Like when he's figuring out the value of the cemetery, the burial plot, he has to bury his wife. So that he can't include. He can't include the expenses of burying his wife. That's the discount. Because he has to bury his wife. It's part of his chiyuvim. So he can't include the 10,000 he spent on burying his wife that he can't include in the sale. Okay. The Gemara says, really, Yerusha al-Dereisa, really a husband inherits his wife on a biblical level. But the case is that it's a cemetery, it's a family plot. And in order for the family to be able to continue burying in their in their going back, you know, family location, Amraban al-Lishkol Demei, Chazal said, let them pay you, and you have to return it to them. What's the discount? It means that you, um, you can't charge for burying the wife. Where do we find the Chazal force you to return a burial plot? If a person sells his burial plot, or he sells his family burial plot, or he sells the area where the family does has paid So technically, let's say you have the oldest son and he technically has the right to sell this and he sells it. The entire family can force the seller to return it to them because it's not right for the of the Mishpacha to have other people being buried in their family plot. He says, uh, um, uh, So the question is, we just got finished saying that Rav holds that the husband's right to inherit his wife is rabbinic. Over here, he said it's their eyes. So the answer is, the answer is, Rav never said that's what he holds. He's explaining a statement by Rav He's saying Rav holds that it's that it's He personally holds that it's derabonim. Okay, fine. New Mishnah. The Mishnah is dealing with the following premise. Let me explain it outside, and that is, um, let's see the Mishnah inside. Mishnah says if a person dies and he leaves over three things. Isha, a wife, and she wants a k'suba. Bal chayv, someone he owes money and he wants to get paid. V'yarshim, and children who want to take it as inheritance. So you got three people who have claims to this cash. You got the ex-wife who wants, the widow who wants k'suba. You got someone who owes money, who's like, pay me. You got the children who want the inheritance. Now, the general rule is that money that is... Money automatically goes to the inheritance. That's generally the rule. It automatically goes to the children. If it's within their uh, rishos, it automatically goes to them. So if the money's like in the house, it automatically goes to them. And then if the ex, if the wife or Balchoy wants to take it, they have to make shvuas, and it's a whole process. But it automatically goes to the earth. The case over here is <laughs> the money was either being, sa- being stored by someone else, or it's uh, pikodin, so it's, it's, uh, it's not money, but it's, it's an item that was being stored by someone else. So the case is, it wasn't in the domain of the Yarshim. It's not like it was in their house that it automatically goes to them. It was by John's house. So the question is, who gets it now? Who do you give it to? Do you give it to the Yarshim? Again, normally, if it's in their domain, it automatically goes to them. The problem is it's in someone else's house. So who gets it? Do you give it to the Yarshim? Do you give it to the wife? Or do you give it to the person who's owed money? Like, who, who has Kadima? So, Rav says you give it to the weakest one. It's a is who the weakest one is. One says it's the balchoiv and one says that it's the like ksuba, as the Gemara will explain. Rav Kiva says, no, there's no Rachmanis in Din. you got to go law. What's the law? You give it to the Yarshim. Why? If you want to collect, who who collects quicker? Yarshim, always. It automatically goes to them. If anyone else wants to collect, they have to make an oath. The Yarshim don't have to make an oath, so therefore this money where you're not sure what to do with it, you give it to the Yarshim. The Gemara then says, peris tulushim in a If let's say you left, um, he died and he left oranges that were on the ground, but we'll see exactly where it is. So then ben Similarly, whoever grabs it quickest, grabs it. Zach now, meaning the woman can grab it for aksuba first, she gets it. The person who grabs for his first gets it. The yarshim grab, whoever grabs it first. That's what tarfen shita. Now, let's say the woman is owed thousand dollars, but she grabs two thousand dollars worth of fruit. So, what does she do with the extra thousand dollars? So then, zachsa isha hamoiser. What do you do with the extra cash? And again. Rav Tarfen says you give it to the weaker one, which we'll see what that is in a minute. And Rav Kiva omer in raach b'din yinosl yarshim shikun show anyarshim shikun shiv. Rav Kiva is consistent. He says give it to the yarshim. Now again. So, when you have this money that's not in the domain of the Yarshim, if it's in the domain of the Yarshim, it automatically goes to the Yarshim. But it's not in the domain of the Yarshim. It's a machloikas, Tiv- or if a and a retire says you give it to the weaker one, or if a keep says you give it to the Yarshim. That just agav, the second case is where mm. there's extra, this fruit detached from the ground, and the guy, the wife grabbed it. So it seems like everyone's cool with the wife grabbing it. The problem is she grabbed too much. So what do you do with the excess? Rav Tarfin says, give it to the weaker one. Rav Akiva says, give it to the Yarshim. Shouldn't Rav Akiva feel you should give the whole thing to the Yarshim, not just the excess? So the Gemara is going to speak out. that Rav Akiva, when he says give the excess, he meant give everything. Okay. Now, the Gemara has two cases. The first two cases is where the money is not by the domain of the Yarshim. Where is the money? It's either a Malva, which is money loaned, by someone, or it's a picodon, which is uh, an item left by someone. It's the exact same thing. So why do you need both? Why do you need both a case of a malva and a Sricha. Why do you have to list both cases? You need it. The chiddush is the picodon because the picodon is the exact same item. You see, cash, it's not the same item that the father left. Cash is fluid. If The father left a family heirloom by someone, you might think that's like that's the same heirloom the yarshim are going to get, it should go to the yarshim. The Chiddush of that is that no, Rav Tarfin says, still, it maybe should go to the woman, or it maybe should go, go to the balchayv. Okay, um, fine now. Rav Tarfin Shita is you give it to the weaker one. What is that? Who's the weaker one? My Again, there's three people who have claims to it. There's the Yarshim, Rav Tarfin's not giving it to them. There's the woman who wants ksuba, and then there's the person who's owed money. Rev Tarfin says give it to the weaker one. Who's that? So it's Machlekes. Rav Yaysi rev Rav says whoever um, got paid, whoever borrowed it the latest, he's the weaker one. I'll tell you why. If you borrowed earlier, that means that you could That means there's a lien on the properties from an earlier date. More likely, you'll get it back. If you borrowed later, meaning closer to death, there's less liens on property. So you're weaker by nature. Okay, that's the first opinion. So you give it to the weaker one, meaning you you give it to whoever is owed money more recently. (inaudible) Rav Yochanan says, no, the weaker one is the wife, because it's very difficult for a woman to start collecting money it takes a lot of toughness to collect money and it's not its not easy for her to do that. So therefore, she's considered the weaker one so you give it always to the woman. Oh, he keeps on doing this. He keeps on doing this. I have a system that whenever I'm recording a share, my phone automatically cancels calls. But my wonderful student, Gerks, he keeps on WhatsApp calling me, which cancels the recording, which drives me berserk. Have to tell him stop doing that. Uh, anyway, thank god it's still recording on the computer. So the Gemara says, Um, so it's a machlaikis of who Rav Tarfin would give it to. Would Rav Tarfin give it to the woman? Is she the weaker one or the one who's owed money more recently? Kitanoi, and it's really machlaikis Tanoim, Rabbi Yaman Armeluk Kaysha Shabari, Rav Binyamin Bukasher, Rabbi Yaman says, Give it's more kosher, it's more right and proper to give it to the one who's more owed money more recently. Ravaloz Armeluk Subasisha. He no, left me a voice note. Rav says, no, the weaker one is the woman. And give her, she gets paid for the ksuvah. Okay, now so the Mishnah said, then the Mishnah said, and this is what I spoke out. Rav feels that you should give it to, let's say, the woman, the weaker one. Okay. Akiva says, always to the Yarshim. The second machleg is the Mishnah is where they argue what to do with the excess money, meaning that you have Fruit that's detached from the tree, the woman grabbed it for the ksuba, but she grabbed too much. So, what do you do with the extra? Rav, Kiva says give it to the yarshram. Rav Tarpin says, Give it to the, the one who's borrowed money more recently, the bachat. The question is, like, why is Kiva only arguing about the excess? is against Rav Akiva holds everything should go to the Yarshim always. So why is he cool with the woman who grabbed the fruit? It's like the woman's owed a thousand dollars, she grabbed two thousand dollars of fruit. What do you do with the excess? Rav Kiva's I'll like, give it to the yarshim. Ravakiva is against the whole thing. You should the whole thing should go to the yarshim. Why is he saying the excess should go to the yarsh? So the Gemara says, Ravikiva Meiria Moser, Kulunami the Yarshinav. You should give everything to the yarshan. It's in Yeah, You're right. That's what he meant. I tell Rav Tarifin The answer is, go to the next page. Ravikiva meant you should give the whole thing. He just mentioned the excess because that's what, that's, that's the, the, the reason why he said the excess is because that's what Rav was talking. Okay. Now, Ravikiva holds that it always goes to the yarshan." And the Balchoyf can never just grab the money. Again, if it's in the Yarshim's domain, everyone agrees it goes to the Yarshim. The cases where the money is not in the Yarshim's domain. It's by uh, someone else. Or it's in public property. Rosh Hashanah. So the question is, can, what do you do with the money? So Rav Kiva says, give it to the Yarshim. Rav says, no, if, if the woman grabs it, give it to the woman who grabs it first. The question is, is there ever a time where Rebbe cool with anyone else just grabbing it? Not anyone else, meaning someone who's owed money grabbing it before the Yarshim. Kiva, is there any time where Rebbe Kiva's cool with someone other than the Yarshim taking the money? And the answer is yes. I'm a Nachman, Nachman says, he has a tradition that Rashi explains, Rebbe Nachman had a tradition going back to Rebbe Kiva. The Rebbe Kiva is okay if it was grabbed when the person was still alive. So, so if it was grabbed when the person was still alive, we don't take it away from him to give him to the arshim. That's the only time where Rebbe keep is cool with it. So if the guy died and then the Baal Chayv grabbed it, no good. If the Baal Chayv grabbed it while the person alive, then the person died, we're not going to take it away from him to give to the Arshim. Now, here's the question also. According to Rav Tarifin, let's say the excess, uh, the, the fruit case, right? At The case of the fruit where it's detached from the ground. So Rebbe says give it to the Arshim. Rav says no, whoever grabs it first grabs it. Now the question is like this, if it's in the domain of the Yarshim, it goes to the Yarshim, where is this fruit? Fruit's usually under a tree, right? If it's under their tree, it goes to them. So where is this fruit that you could just have the Balchayv grab it, or the woman grab it for Eksuba? So the Gemara says, where is this fruit that someone's is grabbing it? Why is it not in pri-? Fruit is usually in private property, so it'll go to the Yarshim. So the Gemara says, Rabu who should Menachem, a Rab. Rabbi says, you're right. The case is where the fruit is in Rishasarabim. That's why someone else can grab it. If it was in any, th- there's basically three domains. There's private domain. Private domain is going to go to the Yarshim. Public domain, that's called a Whoever grabs it, the bachay can grab it before the Yarshim. The Gemara says, what about the following case? It was called a simta. A simta was um, like an alleyway right off Rishasarabim, where if you wanted to talk to someone a little more privately, you went there. So it's it's like a Carmelis. It's like a quasi-Rishasarabim style. What if the fruit is there? Do we say that it's not private, or do we say it's not public? Meaning, does it automatically, if the fruit is found there, does it automatically go to the Yarshim? Or do we say, no, it's, it's, it's still, it's not their domain. So if, if the Val were to grab it from a Simta, it's called a Simta. If the grab, if the Baal Chayv were to grab it from a Simta, then it would be an effective way of, uh, of grabbing it from the Yarshim. That's the question. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shmuel says, Simta loy. If they grab it from the Simta, it's not effective. Rav Yechanan says, no, even if you grab it from the Simta, it's effective. Okay. So you have a machloikist in general between Rav Tarf and Rav Akiva, what to do with this money. Do you give it to the Yarshim, or do you give it to the Balchayv, or to the Ksuba? So don't die Rav Akiva The case was where there was a rov. I don't know who it was, I don't know if it was Rav Yechanan, or it was What's it, Rav Yechanan? Um... No, just Stam a judge. Um, yeah, a judge paskind like Riftarfin. That, I guess the case was that, again, someone left money by someone else or in public domain and owing money to the Yarshim and to the Balchayv. The, the Balchayv grabbed it before the Yarshim and the judge in Rishlakish's town said, okay, you can keep it, like Riftarfin. Again, Riftarfin holds that if the Balchayv grabs it before the if it works if it's not in the private domain. But Shlokish, minayu. Rishlakish reversed it. When Rishlakish heard about this, he says, no, undo it, because we pass on like Ravikiva. So meaning, so a judge followed Riftarfin, Rishlakish made him undo it to follow Akiva to give it to the Yarshim. So Amrli, Rav Yechan, Rav Yeichen said to Rishlokish, Asisa kishal like this. There's a general rule that whenever, whenever Rav Akiva is arguing against the Yachir, we pass on like Rav Akiva. That's thought number one. Thought number two, if a judge makes a mistake in a clear Mishnah, we we make them reverse it. Like if you have a, a paisik who makes a Shtickl Torah that you could disagree with, we're not going to make him reverse it. If he messes up in a Mishnah, we're going to make him reverse it. So the Gemara says like this, over here, the judge passing like Rav Tarfin over Rav Akiva, Rish Lakish made him undo it. Rav Yechan said to Rish Lakish, so you're making it that the Pesach follows Rav Akiva so clear that if you disagree with Rav Akiva, it's like making a mistake in a Mishnah. Meaning, the fact that we have a rule that Rav Akiva mechaviroi, that we pass like Rav Akiva over Rav Tarfin, or over anybody, you're saying that that's such a clear-cut rule that if you don't pass in that way, that's such an error, that's not an error in judgment, that's like an error in a Mishnah. You hear what I'm saying? I Meaning it's a tremendous Kiddush to make you reverse it because of this. That we can't rely on Rav Tarfin at all. R- Rishlo- Rav Yechan said, <clears throat> so you're saying that the Allah of Allah's Rav Kiva is so clear that we'll make you reverse it if you pass in like Rav Tarfin. So to make this Rav and Rav if you pass in like Rev Tarfin, whether you could. Rav Yechan R- said, if you pass like Rav Tarfin, I'm going to make you undo it and go to Rav Yechan. Rish- Rav Yechan said, no, listen, uh, is the and So, what's the machleikus about? So, Gemara says, "Okay, what's the machleikus of whether you could bid the eved pass like with Tarfen?" Option number one is that everyone agrees the halacha follows Rav Akiva unequivocally because the halacha is like Rav Akiva against his colleague, and Rav Tarfin was his colleague, and Rav Akiva is one hundred percent correct. So, what's the machleikus? The machleikus is if a Dayan makes a mistake that's clear do you make him reverse it? Meaning, this is a mistake that's clear, and the Machlechus is, whether you make a Dayan, who made a mistake that's clear, reversed. Gemara says, no. Everyone agrees, if you made a mistake that's clear, you made a mistake from a missionary you have to reverse the ruling. So what's the Machlechus of here? This is interesting, historically. The Gemara's first possibility is that Rav Tarfin was not his colleague, he was his Rebbe. The Machlechus is, that rule that we pass him like Rav, Kiva over his colleague, is that extend to his Rebbe as well. The first possibility is that Rav Tarfin is his Rebbe. The Mechlechus is, do we pass him like Rav Kiva over his Rebbe, or just over his colleague? Reish Lakish felt that we pass him like Rav Kiva over his Rebbe as well, so we make him reverse it. Rav Tarfin says no, and Rav Yechon said no, only against his colleagues, not his Rebbe. Rav Tarfin was his Rebbe. That's option number one. Option number two, Iba Yisema Everyone agrees that we don't pass on the Rebbe Kiva over his Rebbe, and the Machlechus is over here, what was Reftarfin? The is, meaning, we're saying right now, the new possibility. Everyone agrees we pass on the Rebbe Kiva over his colleague, not over his Rebbe. What's the Machlechus? Who is Reftarfin? Was he a colleague or a Rebbe? Because Reftarfin was always like a Talmud Khaver. It's like a Rebbe Chavrusa Talmudi. So the Machlechus is is a colleague or a Rebbe? Last possibility, or the last possibility is that everyone agrees with Tarifin is the colleague so what's the Machlechus? the Machlechus is when we have this rule that we paschal over his colleague, is that a Halacha or is it Matin? Matin just means it's probably correct there's a difference, like if you say someone Halacha, that means that it's 100% that way and if you don't do it that way, we're going to make you reverse it. Matin just means it's more likely that we pass on the like If you don't do that, that's also fine. It's just, so the, the Machlegas is how strong, what's the rule? Is it Halachic Rebbe I Matin ke, uh, Rebbe So Okay. As the Gemara says, we'll just finish up the, 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 the Ahmed. Itmar. There was a, a, a relative of Yohanan who was a Balchayv who grabbed an item away before the Yarshim got it from a Simta which is that side area meaning he followed Rav Tarfin over Rav Akiva also came the Rav so he asked Rav Yechanan, was I correct? again he grabbed the item before the Yarshim which is following Rav Tarfin so he asked him basically was I correct to do that so Rav Yechanan said yeah Shaper tafsu. You were right to do that. Also, the Kamidur Rish Lakish. They came in front of Rish Lakish. Reverse it, because again, Rish Lakish says you got to go with Rav Kiva. So then they went back to Rav Yechana and they said, what do I do? Meaning, he told me to reverse it. Rav Yechana said, what am I supposed to do? Rish Lakish is equal to me in greatness, and if he tells you to reverse it, I can't fight with him. Um, Okay, now, we had before, the last two cases, I think, we had before that there's a generally a machloy's tune of Tarfan Revakiva, whether you grab it from whether the Yosayimim get it, the Yarshim get it, or the Balchayv gets it. But we said there's one time where Ravakiva's ma'ida that you can grab it before the Yarshim, and that's if you grabbed it when the person was still alive. Meaning, if the Balchayv is owed money from the father, if he grabs the item while the father is still alive, then the father dies, we're not going to take it away from to give to the yarshim, according to everybody. If he grabbed it after death. We will take it away according to Rav Akiva. See, here's the case. Gemari says the following. Haubikra Diasmi. There was a um like a herd, like a like a shepherd. Okay, so they would leave their animals by this like herd, by this guy to watch the animals. While the animals are there, a these are orphans who left the animals there. A balkoiv grabs it. He comes in, he grabs it. He's like, Oh, does this belong to that family? He says, yeah, he grabs it. Now, the father owes me money. So, again, now, according to Rav inappropriate. No good. Here's the problem. He claims to have grabbed it when the father was still alive. They claim that he grabbed it when the father died. So, according to him, he grabbed it when the father was still alive, so everyone agrees that it works. They say, no, you grabbed it after the father died, which is, according to Rav no good. So, there's a of when it was grabbed. So, the Gemara says, um, The Baal Chayv says he grabbed it when the father was still alive, so it's a valid tfisa. But the herdsmen and then the Yarshim say, no, you grabbed it after the father died. So you got to return it according to Rebbe So what do you do? So also came to Nachman. They came to her in front of Rebbe Nachman. So Rebbe Nachman said to the Yarshim, do you have a proof that they grabbed it at all? Really, no. So really, They have a Migu, right? They could claim that they bought it right you don't have any proof there's no witnesses that they grabbed it so they just have it under their domain there's a general rule things that are in your property are yours so the fact that they could just claim they bought it that should be enough so the very fact that they could claim they bought it that's their migu. the fact that they could say they claimed that they bought it means that you should believe them if they claim that they took it when the father was still alive okay so that's the end of that story now here the just has a quick problem with the story um, the basic premise of the amigo is under the uh, assumption that they could claim that they bought it without any deed of sale. They could just claim that they bought it, which is fine. That's the general rule. Items that are in your—if I go into your house, right, and I see that you have a basketball in your in your downstairs in your den, and I say, "Who was was that?" You're like, it's "Mine." Your house, you say it's yours. You don't have to. I, I say, "How how do you know that?" Show me the the the. The CVS, so you don't have to show the receipt. If it's in your domain, it's yours. The problem is that's not that doesn't work by animals. Animals which move very frequently and they usually are just outside roaming, you actually need a proof of purchase. So the whole migu is the fact that the people who grabbed it, Balchay, who grabbed it, they could have said that they bought it. The very fact that they said that they grabbed it when it's alive, migu, that they could have said they bought it, you should believe them. The problem is they couldn't have said that they bought it. There's no proof of purchase. Don't you need a proof of purchase by animals? The Gemara says, Ay, uh, animals that move around like sheep, grabbing them is not enough, meaning being in your domain is not enough. You need a proof of purchase. So how could you say that they They could have said they bought it without a proof of purchase. It's no good. The answer shani tour, the laroa the, uh, the the, the laroa. The answer is that's only true by small animals that um, come and go free, uh, freely. Large oxen that you give to herdsmen that you give to like shepherds. Large oxen you don't need a proof of purchase because people don't just let that go around. So whoever's holding on to it, you assume is the owner. Uh, let's just end up with this story. The Gemara says, the members of the Beinasi, um were owed money by someone who died. Tophus Amsa Diasmias Simtas. They went to the Simta, and they grabbed one of the slaves. They grabbed one of her slaves, one of the person's slaves. So again, so it's a case where the Yarshim, it was in the Simta, so according to Rav Kiva, you got to give it to the Yarshim, but they grabbed it following Revit Yasser Gabayu Amr They said it's fine. You followed Rav Tarfin, That's fine. You could grab it. So Amr said and in What? Because you're afraid of them, you're just flattering them. Or because they're the Benasi, you're flattering them. Hadoyin Lakish the reversed the ruling, meaning following Rav Tarfin is not legitimate. We pass like Rav Kiva. So the fact that they're grabbing it like Rav Tarfin, is not good enough. We possibly like on Kiva. So you got to tell them they have to reverse the ruling. We possibly on Kiva. All right. We'll stop here. We'll pick this up uh, tomorrow. Easy, fast, everybody.